Hey, TCA fans. This is Sarah Britsky, and I'm your host for TCAU, a podcast that helps you on your classical Christian and collaborative journey. I'm here today with Steph Dexter and Kevin Estep, and we are going to talk about a reading culture in our home, specifically reading aloud. So I'm so excited to have you guys here. Um, you guys have been around TCA for a long time. You play super pivotal roles um, with your giftings, and it's so great to have your families here and see their kids grow up. I'd love to just have each of you introduce yourselves and uh, yeah, let the audience get to know you. I am Stephanie Dexter. Um, my husband, Brad, and I have three kids at TCA. This is our seventh year here. Um, they are in sixth grade, fourth grade, and first grade. At TCA, I get to serve on the board as the board secretary. Um, and I also work part-time in the software industry, typically on um, campus days, and I'm getting caught up on those things. <laughs> and I'm Kevin Estep. My wife, Erica, and I have five kiddos. Four of them are here at TCA, ranging from first grade up to eighth grade. And we've been here all but one one of TCA's years. I uh, My normal job or my daily job is at Creighton. I'm a professor in the social sciences area, but I have the privilege of teaching at TCA, the logic mm -hmm. school. I've been teaching the Bible <laughs> class for the last couple of years, and that's a delight and a new way to interact with students. So. Yes, that's so good. Well, one of the things I know about both of you is that since you've been at TCA and before, I'm sure you guys have known the importance of having a reading culture in your home and reading and text is so important in any education, especially in a classical education where we're really teaching students to teach themselves. And so they have to have access to reading. Um, and we want that to be not just a chore, but something that's part of who they are. And that starts in the family. And so I would love just for you guys to talk a little bit about how would you describe the reading culture in your home? Very honestly, in a word or a phrase, and you can elaborate on that if you'd like. Um, I asked my kids this, this morning um, and the two words that came to mind are together um, and the other one is comfortable. Um, we've deliberately set up our home so that it's easy to read and hard to watch. And so the most cozy room in our house, that's the most inviting where the food is nearby, where, you know, where you want to be is not the room with our television. It's the room with our books. Mm -hmm. And um, that's always been the case in our home. My husband and I, I've deliberately made the TV a little bit uncomfortable to watch. We watched the Husker game last night and I was lamenting that the fridge was so far, um, <laughs> but that's on purpose because otherwise, you know, you get stuck there um, and the hours go by in a way that you don't want them to. So um, there's an emphasis, even in the furniture in that room, it's facing each other. There's a spot for everybody. Um, there is, there are books. I mean, there are baskets of books and shelves of books and books in piles. And it's just easy to read in those spaces. Mm. I love that. Um, the, the phrase that came to mind was partially automated. Um, and I think when we talk about culture, we want it to be natural and automatic. And that's mm -hmm. part of what we mean by culture is something that we're doing without really thinking of. And so that's the automated part. But I admit that we do it very we do the reading culture very uh, inconsistently. And I think that's normal. That's expected. And so there are many ways in which I'm really excited about how much I mean, my kids love to read, how much we we do read together. But we have seasons where it's like, whoa, we've really gotten away from the automated mm. part of our culture and we have to retool, we have to rethink, mm. we have to reset. And uh, so I really, really appreciate what Steph's saying, too, about like uh, the more that we can kind of structure the home in such a way, it makes those resets easier. It makes it a bit more automatic. And so that's helpful. I even like I think as parents, one thing we have to take on for ourselves and we get to take on is this idea. Kevin, I hear you saying, oh, we want we get back to that because that's who we are. And I think that we can think of ourselves as, oh, we are readers and we 
read aloud, we read to ourselves. So if we don't do that, when we come back to it, we're coming back to what's normal. I think mm -hmm. sometimes if we haven't started the routine or we're out of it, we just mm -hmm. think, well, I can never be that. Um, and I think the same thing is true with Bible reading, right? If you don't read your Bible for a week, you're still a Bible reader. Yeah. You just pick back up as opposed to saying, well, I guess that's just not what I do, you know? So to say, even if I don't hit my routines every day, this is still just part of who we are and what we do. Um, there's a lot of freedom in that, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about, um, Steph, you talked about the spaces that you have. Are there other ways that you practically prioritize a reading culture in your home? I think one of the most practical things you can do to prioritize reading is acknowledging that it takes time, um, which mm. seems silly to say, but I think one of my um, reasons that I moved away from reading aloud in various seasons is just that I resented that it took time, but um, God has really cultivated in my heart a love for the fact that it takes my time because mm -hmm. my kids want my time. Um, we want to be together as a family. And some of the biggest beauty of it is that it takes our time. A chapter might mm -hmm. be 45 pages and you're looking at it going, oh my goodness, this is going to take a long time to read. And that's actually why it's beautiful because you're sitting together in that mm -hmm. chapter as a family and just acknowledging that, like put it on your calendar or say, to your spouse in the same way that you might say, we have a party at seven o'clock, say we're reading mm -hmm. at seven o'clock and acknowledge that it's going to take until eight o'clock. It's mm -hmm. not going to take till seven ten if you're reading a lot of content. So that seems really silly, but I think part of the problem and one of our enemies is that we don't acknowledge that part of our day will be spent reading if we want to be reading mm -hmm. as a family. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting too. We, we would never say, Oh no, this TV show is an hour. You know why? What's the difference there? You know, like, so even like, why do we think of reading with our kids as work and watching a show as entertainment and delight? And sure. There are many reasons we can think of, but that's an interesting switch. I want to turn in my brain to be like, this is going to take an hour, like an hour we have together. Um, yeah. And I think, I think, I think the key to that switch is that when you have hit on the kind of reading that everyone in the, well, maybe not everyone, I don't want to be too universal here, but we're a good <clears throat> good amount of the people in the family really enjoy this mm. and the time it takes time to read but it also takes i think time in the in the longer sense to figure out what is mm. that kind of reading for our family and we want to read broadly but um and i i think maybe one of the practical keys to getting there is that you're especially in the early years you're just putting lots of different kinds of books mm. around your kids reading i mean we've talked a lot about or i hear a lot about reading picture books to younger kids mm. and we did that plenty in our family i'm sure the dexters did as well and that's a good way to begin uh i just but we all, always have lots of books around i remember reading uh i think it was the book freakonomics mm. and there was some sort of finding that like iq scores or test scores were associated with the number of books in your parents home and of course there's mm. a foolish way to read that which is to say well if i fill my my if i just put books around and people get smart <laughs> well no it's an indicator of what kind of what kind of home you're in like what is it a home where we just had lots of books around where people were often reading and I, so i think just having a good volume of books and diversity of books early on is a good practical thing because we got to figure out what what our kids really really like and there's a number of other tasks that are not reading tasks that that take a long time so i'm thinking about like painting toenails and 500 piece jigsaw puzzles and tracing you know some detailed thing and those are things that we save as a family for read aloud time my kids mm -hmm. some of them want to sit and just listen but often they're very busy with non-word tasks um i french braid the girl's hair while brad reads things that um 
-hmm. that I, as a mom, I'm like, oh, like that doesn't feel like it fits in, but I could definitely put curlers for tomorrow in your hair during the hour that daddy's reading to us. So things like that. And then the other thing that you mentioned, um, Kevin reminded me of a friend that would just read aloud to his very little kids while they played Mm -hmm. books that he wanted to read. So Mm -hmm. he was reading a very adult Mm -hmm. book about, you know, like world Mm -hmm. conflict or (laughs) government or something like that, but just um, the child was listening to words Mm. as they played. Dad was spending time with him. He was getting dad's voice. There's language acquisition and he's definitely not picking up the content, but they're together and they're reading and it it starts to um, make that start happening. And for those of us with with bigger families, we know, I remember when um, a number of years ago, when I think Silas was one or two, um, I was reading a chapter book in the car while we were driving um, to my husband's parents and I would finish a chapter and I was getting tired and was like, I'm going to be done. And the girls kept going, you know, no, read another one, read another one. And he was joining in that and mm-hmm. his language was so little, but he was loving listening to the story yeah. because his sisters love listening to the story and our littles want to participate with their older siblings and they can actually sit and listen just like anyone else. And mm-hmm. so that for me was you know, I felt even convicted that I hadn't read to my oldest when she was two, a chapter book. I'd only read her picture books. And then the opposite happens too. Um, if I pause and read a grade level book to my youngest, um, like this year working through my father's dragon, my oldest, I mean, she would be very frustrated if I had read that book while she was gone and she wanted to be a part of it, even though she's already heard it multiple times, but I get it because it's the last time that we were reading it as a family. And so that, that that's those culture pieces that um, are just beautiful over years. They're not necessarily beautiful in any one instance, but the story over the years becomes really beautiful. Yeah. And I, something I hear you saying is that you read. And I think that that's key. You don't have to read any specific thing, but I think about growing up and being at the dinner table when my relatives would come in town and everybody would share what they were reading. And it felt like a conversation I wanted to be a part of someday. Mm. And so as like the very youngest of all the people, I looked ahead and thought like, Oh, okay. Like this is what it is to be an adult. That's all I knew. And so I think to give, to read together invites to our kids into a culture where we read and we talk about what we read, even, you know, if it's not something so profound, that's just what we're thinking about together. I I think it's challenging, Mm -hmm. convicting to Mm -hmm. what you're saying, Sarah, because we cannot make our kids love something that we do not love ourselves. Mm. There could be exceptions to that, but Mm -hmm. I think they're rare. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we want our kids to really enjoy books and we want our family to really enjoy books, we have to, we have to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I think, so we need to find things that we really enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is giving yourself the freedom to read at least beginning yourself mm-hmm. as well as your kids, the things that you really enjoy reading mm-hmm. and starting there. And I would say that's one of the most practical things that was told to us mm-hmm. early on from some parents who had older kids who were avid readers. They said, Hey, listen, when your kids get old enough to read, mm-hmm. don't restrict what they read, just let them choose what they want mm-hmm. and let the, let their, their, their affection for books, then, then you guide it, but mm-hmm. you can't, you, you can't create the affection by, by restraining what they read, let them read what they want. So if they want to read um, graphic novel kinds of books, which I'm like, oh, I don't think that's the best thing. But like, as long as there's nothing objectionable, like, yes, do that. Go read that. And uh, it stokes their love for the books. And I think, too, if you're listening to this and feeling like I do not like reading, I just feel this sense of like maybe some of it is just be kind to yourself the ways that you were taught to read and the ways you experienced reading in school Um, in a 
school system that is largely influenced by the factory. A ton of it is about like, did you understand the reading and can you regurgitate that on a test? And I even know from years when I had 140 students, sometimes the students wanted me to give them reading quizzes because otherwise they wouldn't read. And also as a teacher, I was measured by how much my students read. And so I had to come up with ways to make sure they read and make sure they understood it. And so some of us, I think, don't like reading because when we think about reading, especially something hard, if we think like, oh, I couldn't pass a test on that, then we feel shame or we don't want to engage. And so just be kind to yourself and give yourself freedom. I think like Kevin is saying, read something that you just enjoy or read something that is hard and read it badly and be okay with that. I think we've been told like, well, the kids who got hundred percent on the reading quiz, like they're the good readers, but actually reading something and understanding 60 or 80%, there might be a ton of value in that um, and growth in that. And also what doesn't, doesn't that teach our kids something about like, okay, like I can read something and not understand the whole thing, but have something valuable that I receive from it or that I learned from it. Um, I've also discovered about my own kids that the one who quizzes the best is not necessarily the one who has the greatest reading comprehension. Um, mm. And there, one of my kids is the one that I'm like, you're the one I want to three months from now, remind me what was in that book. And mm. that doesn't necessarily come up in the classroom, but because we're reading a lot as a family and we were there for the chapter together, I can see that mm. in my student. And I, it's a skill that doesn't necessarily come up in the same way in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to see that in her and the ways that God has designed her mind to capture story. Mm. Um, even if it doesn't look like her siblings and She's actually really, really good at it. And I'm able to affirm it because we've been reading a lot as a family. Otherwise I wouldn't, the content that she's reading on her own, I wouldn't realize that she is doing that. Mm. Um, but I can see it in our family and I can even see it in my own brain. I can't remember what the chapter was about last night. And when she reminds me of things or when she reminds me of things from four books ago, it, it's so fun to see how she is digesting that story in mm. such a different way than I ever will because of how God's designed her. Mm. Yeah. And I think we have a chance at TCA and in our families to reform our kids' understandings of reading by valuing the different ways that they take in a book and interact with it um, because we don't have to give tests because we have small classes because we're reading with our kids. And so that's really beautiful. Um, any other ways that you specifically prioritize reading aloud in your home and, and make that happen imperfectly? I was telling Kevin before our time that we used to do like the family read alouds and even... Um, individual grade level read alouds at the end of the day, um, because it didn't feel like we had done something to me. So when we first started at TCA, I really liked like visible progress and reading a book doesn't, besides the bookmark moving along, doesn't feel like you did something. Um, and I just feel like God has cultivated in my heart, um, realizing that that's the most important thing I'm doing with my kids. And so I've just reoriented our schedule. We start Wednesday mornings, especially, um, in pajamas on the couch with a cup of coffee for mom. And I pull out anything that I can read to the kids and put it in a stack and we just read. Mm -hmm. So that looks like history, Bible, um, family read aloud. If they have individual read alouds that, um, I'm able to read aloud, I'll offer to kids that aren't in that grade that they can stay and listen or they can go on. Um, but yeah, that's a very simple, practical thing that has kind of turned completely on its head from how we did things. And that might not be serve us in every season, but right now that's all of our favorite part of homeschool. And it is a sweet, like it's like a Sabbath in the middle of the week. Cause it's Sunday was a long time ago and it's a long time away. And it's just sweet that, you know, for two to three hours, if, and maybe not even that long, maybe an hour and a half, um, we're just sitting together in that space and reading. 
I have a story to offer. I'm not sure there's a prescription in it. Uh, from early ages in our home, especially my wife, Erica, was great about reading out loud picture books to the kids. And so it was like, that was a normal thing. But I think the transition to reading to non-picture books, tra chapter books is an intimidating one. And it's hard to know how to make the jump. Mm. And uh, there could have been some situational just fortune in the timing of when our kids were probably ready for that coinciding with the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And we just mm -hmm. had lots of time together mm. and we had wrestled back and forth. Eric and I both enjoy the Harry Potter books at a younger stage and thought at some point our kids going to want to read these books. They knew about them. We're kind of interested in reading them, but it was like, are they mature enough for these yet? And we said, let's just do it. And so I kind of took the lead on reading these books because I was genuinely really excited to share this joy <laughs> with my kids. Like, I love this story and want to share it with you. And so we jumped in. And uh, I think the key there, like after we read the whole, well, I think we paused, we read some books, paused for a while. I think we read the Wing Feather series, like in the middle. Hmm. We, uh, we listened to the Green Ember. We do a lot of audiobooks as well. And I think that helps with the build of tolerance for like listening for long periods of time. So we did uh, some reading aloud, some audiobooks of those three wonderful series over the course of probably a couple of years. And I think, man, that just established hmm. that this is something that we do. And it's something that I loved so much reading to them these stories because I liked them. And so it was like, uh, I think the if there's a lesson in the story, it's like I was genuinely excited to share mm. these stories with them. And so maybe that jump into doing longer read alouds, you, you, you don't have to pick the thing that you think is the best literature. What's the thing that you're the most excited to share with your kids? That might be a good place to begin. Mm. That's good. And I think a place that like I love asking people why they love their spouse or what they love about their kids. But to be asking that question of other people, because it's really fun to read a book with someone who loves that book. And so mm. ask parents that, you know, or ones that you feel like, hey, like the, you know, the feel of your family feels like we could jive with some of the things that you enjoy. What books have you loved reading to your kids? What books did you love having read to you? Um, because, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it, it's really fun to be reading aloud to your kids and be like, oh my goodness, the next chapter is where it all goes down and they have no idea. <laughs> you know, just that feeling of bringing them into the, into the story, whatever the story might be, if it's a story that you've loved, um, it's really exciting the first time through to, to invite them into that story with you. Oh, I love what Seth's saying. Like, I, I, I think that we drastically undervalue how strong a connection you can have with someone with whom you share a love for a book. Mm. Sarah and I both love A Tale of Two Cities. And mm. I feel like we've had a number <laughs> of moments where we've just like connected over mm. a love of that book, you know, and it's the same yeah. with your kids. Yeah. And think of how I would love to hear some of the ways that you've seen your family culture shaped by these common stories. Um, do you see that happening? How are you creating your own little great conversation within your family um, of, of stories that you know and characters that you've seen? Has that been something you've observed? Mm. So the green ember you mentioned has that line, it will not be so in the mended wood. Um, and that's a, a line that it's lamenting. The mm -hmm. mended wood is a picture of the new heavens and mm -hmm. new earth. And that book has a, a, that book, that series has a lot of very tragic, sad things and they last for a very long time. And, but just that line continues to sustain them. Um, and so things like that, when things are hard, absolutely. Um, are part of the culture of our family. I've even like bought book gifts for my kids that have those phrases and or, um, wrote quotes on their wall from the things that we've read together to remind us of those stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really easy to think of those kinds of connections with something like Pilgrim's Progress, mm -hmm. and we do that. Um, what Steph's describing is 
is really powerful and probably more challenging. Um, I, this is a little more lighthearted, I suppose, but like that line, the, it shall not be so in the mended wood. We bought t-shirts. So did, like they, they, did you really? <laughs> Which important. is fun. And like, and you know, the wing feather series has some merchandise as well. We, we got patches for the kids backpacks mm-hmm. for the guilds in the, in the wing feather, <laughs> uh, like in the green hollows. And so I don't know that we do it the best, but mm-hmm. finding ways to like extend the life of the book into mm-hmm. your family life is, is it's, it's, it requires creativity, but mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my husband and I memorized some poems together a long time ago. And so this is di- a little bit different, but it's been fun that, um, we still like one of them is a line from Shakespeare and it's puck from a midsummer night's dream saying, I go, I go, look how I go quicker than, you know, tartar from an arrow's bow. And so it'll be like, Hey, can you go grab me? And Michael will be like, I go, I go, you know, so it's just funny for like those things to be part of who you are. And, um, so it can happen even just with your spouse, but yeah. And even with what you were saying, it is fall and people are thinking about things like Christmas lists. And I think mm. we need to f- form our kids in such a way. I mean, as much as we can, and <laughs> but that books are gifts and mm. um, we live in a place and time in human history that your child can own an entire book series and it's not that big an, of a deal, but that's mm. ex- an extravagant blessing that they have that on their shelf. Mm. Um, and so just to be thinking about ways that even s- celebrate books and reading. And if, even if it's a t-shirt or something fun to celebrate a book that you've already read, but even to say, here's a gift and it's a book series we're going to read together, or it's a book series, you know, you're going to read on your own. Um, because I think that we see books as jobs and we even present them to our children in that way. They only mm. come through when we order the curriculum from TCA, but they should come wrapped in pretty paper and we should be like, it's sweet. Like this is a book we get to own and read as a family and we're stoked about it. Mm. And there's so many beautiful books too, like with um, if you're going to buy one of your classics, there's ones that look a lot more beautiful on the outside and are a lot more attractive to our eyes to pull off the shelf and read. Mm. Any other wisdom you would give families who have objections? Like, I can't do it. I've, I've tried this. My kids are different ages. Um, any thoughts to obstacles that people have called out or that you just know are exist? Yeah, I think Steph may have mentioned this a bit earlier, but like we, we, so we have got a 13 year or I guess it's a 12 year range in our kids. And so obviously their comprehension is different. Um, we tend to skew towards the older and then just give lots of activities for people to do. And so mm-hmm. people are doing further beads, they're drawing, they're doing, as long as it's something that, you know, they can at least have part of their mind and you'd be surprised how much even the younger kids doing another activity are actually following the story. And if they don't pick it up all, like if our six-year-old is not picking up everything from this Harry Potter book, that's fine. Okay, well, I'll plan to read it to you again another time. That'll be another season of enjoyment, you know. Uh, but we, we our, our, our approach has been to stay together. And as much as possible, I, uh, there surely are exceptions to that. But I think the pressure is towards individualized consumption mm. of entertainment. Mm. And I want to fight back against that. And so we we try to just sometimes there's a little bit of groaning. You just got to joke about it and say, oh, we're going to read this. But then there's other times when even when we're reading something or listening, say, to an audio of, say, Ramona for the fifth time uh, <laughs> this series. It's like you said, the older kids don't want to miss it. You know, they, they're like, mm. well, don't start. You, you can't play that. I'm on the car, you know, uh, because they, they love those stories. Mm. Yeah, I think. 
somewhere along the way, I, I had had a progressive mindset with books of like, once you read a book, you don't read it again because you're beyond that book. And that's not true. And so mm-hmm. that brings a lot of freedom that your family, if you have a favorite book as a family, you can read it over and over again. You can do what you're saying. And when, it, when one child is older, like revisit it with them because you're doing that too. And um, rereading is actually in many ways stronger than reading it for the first time. And so just there's freedom there. Um, and doing it together is honestly one of the big values. And then I was going to say too, we still read when we have visitors at our house, we just like have mm. a kid tell them what mm. has happened so far and invite them into that. Um, Cause I think it can be hospitable in a sweet way to be like, this is a normal night in our family. We have guest readers. Like, well, if, if we're falling asleep, we'll have one of the kids read or well, I, there, there's ways to spice it up. Um, that can be very ordinary, but can, can make it interesting too. So any final encouragements to our listeners? I think it's encouraging. It should be encouraging that uh, most people listening to this podcast, I assume, are already educating their kids in an environment where there is an expressed love of books and a need to read them for for, for <laughs> classes. I remember most of us did not have that kind of support structure in our own upbringing. And so I remember my mom loves literature. In fact, she should have been a literature professor. (laughs) Uh, She just loves it. And she loved books. And I could tell in our home that she did, but the structure of our family, the pace at which we ran, the kind of schooling that we did, I I never really read a lot of books. And there was a time, I think it was probably in middle school when she said, Hey, we're going to read a tale of two cities. It was her, it was her favorite. And uh, I love her for that. But it didn't work because we had no tolerance for reading a book and you can't jump into Dickens. You know, you have to start. So but I think for most of our families, there's a much stronger foundation that's been laid so that you can do those harder, perhaps more rewarding kinds of reads in the future. And these are shared family family experiences like a vacation or any other adventure or like running a race. Um, When I think back on certain years of our life, it's like, oh, that's the year we were reading that series. And you can. I mean, you can celebrate ending together. You can watch the movie afterwards and lament, you know, what, what changes happened. You can do all those different things as a family to mark the time. Um, but yeah, it's, I will think back on these years and my kids will too, um, because of what we were reading in that season. That's great. One more thing. Uh, as much as I can remember, when we finish a great book, I try to read the lament at the end of at the closing of a book from every moment holy because it reminds you this story is pointing to something else and that's why i love Mm. things like the green ember or the wing feather because they have obvious arcs but even Mm. harry potter like there's a cosmic battle between good and evil Mm. and we have just read something about that that battle exists you are in it Mm. what are you gonna do Mm. so good I'm going to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, The library we've discovered has lots of things like cookbooks and craft books and things that are spinoffs of a lot of your big series, including Harry Potter and others. Um, But take the book party from TCA (laughs) home and do it in your family. Invite others into that. Like be people who celebrate and you can celebrate in big ways. Like reading is hard, but you can have a big party as you do it as well. (laughs) I love that. And I love even Kevin at the end, you're pointing us to like the greater goal and and step two, the greater goals are, being together as a family and making memories about good, true and beautiful things. And also seeing the greater story in every story that we read, which is the gospel. And certainly we will not save our students by reading aloud. Um, it's an invitation to them to love to read. Um, 
And even I'm encouraged, Kevin, that like your mom tried to read aloud and it didn't work. And here you are still a wonderful <laughs> human being. And so <laughs> this is information for you not to feel like, oh, no, I need to go do these things. But for you to consider, what do I want for my family and what do I enjoy that I can share with them? Hopefully that's in a great book in ways that um, shape and form you and your family. We're not saved by these things. Um, and yet they can point us to the one who can save our kids. And so we hope that in all of the reading aloud and reading that we do in our home, it's really pointing to Jesus to the greater story. Um, so hear freedom in that is what I want you to, our listeners to hear is that these are good, true and beautiful things, but they're not the most important thing. So take from this what's helpful. Um, we're so excited to be building homes that are reading cultures. We hope that this is encouraging for you and gives you lots of practical um, ideas and vision for building a reading culture in your home. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Happy reading. Thank you.